Welcome along to another Know My Faith Monday podcast, and my guest is Liz Moffat. Liz, thank you for coming. My pleasure. I want to jump straight in. You spent how many years with Jacob Domkani? Well, I spent four and a half years in in Israel, and uh, probably the first couple of years was in Jaffa House with Jacob Domkani, and then, uh, but I, I stayed in connection with him. Okay, so what got you there? Well, uh, in the first place, to be quite honest, um, I was studying at Bible College of laid law, it's called laid law, and uh, actually um, they did a trip, they organised a trip to Israel, which was, uh, and I'd always wanted to go to the Holy Land, this was uh, 2012, so I put my name down and I was very excited to go on this trip. But as uh, time went on, it, it became very evident that the teacher of this particular class was very much into replacement theology right. and into supporting uh, the Palestinian cause against Israel's aggression. And so we were given a lot of material along that kind of land, uh, along that kind of line, and we were going to stay in Bethlehem. That's with Beth, the Bethlehem College or the Beth in uh, no the Bethlehem uh, Bible or whatever Bible yeah, Institute Bible, yes, in, yeah, in yeah. Uh, Bethlehem in Israel. So uh, uh, as I I had a pile about this thick of notes yep. and uh, reading, and I started to wade my way through it, and uh, it really disturbed me. Like I've always known that Israel has had a, a special place in the heart of God, that Israel is God's firstborn son. But I'd never really um, spent time thinking about it or considering it until that idea was really challenged by what was in front of me. And I decided that uh, I couldn't go on this trip for my first time in Israel with any good conscience. So I pulled out of the trip. My wow. mother was coming with me because it was combined with an aid organisation she was part of. And, uh, yeah, lost quite a lot of money, actually, but I yeah. held on to my uh, airfares. So Israel, up until that point, was probably not important? Uh, and in reading this material, it became more important? Yes, uh, absolutely. I knew that Israel was important, but it yeah. didn't feature in my life. I didn't know any Jewish people. I didn't con- uh, connect with any groups that were uh, supporting Israel. You know, it was just something I knew from reading the scriptures, which I had a passion yeah. for and studying them. And uh, over many years, I understood just from the plain text that Israel featured in God's purposes, and God had a plan, past, present, and future for Israel. And so when that was challenged, I went back to the scriptures and and back to the Lord, and, and uh, yeah, and I decided, no, my conscience will not allow me to be involved in an organization that wasn't there to bless Israel. Yeah. And I knew that from uh, Genesis chapter 12, that uh, God has promised that those who bless Israel, I will bless. And I didn't want to be involved in something that was not there to bless Israel. In fact, I would go as far as to say it was doing the very opposite. It was uh, putting Israel in a very bad light, and it wasn't considering God's eternal promises to Israel. So 
it was from that point that I started to research and study for myself and ended up going on this trip with my mother by myself. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing was the first person I met as I came into Israel and hopped onto a uh, bus route to drive to um, Jerusalem where we were staying was a, a Palestinian tour guide who spent the whole trip telling me how Israel had mistreated the um, Palestinians and how they were victims of Israel's aggression. And uh, So you, you weren't on his tour? Uh, no, you, I wasn't you, you on this. You were just, your mum were there as private tourists, and this guy immediately starts. Yes, he came. Yeah. It's like he planted himself next to me and started to promote himself as a tour guide, but a narrative yeah. that put Israel in a very bad light. And, uh, and he kept calling the land Palestine. He never called it Israel. Yeah. And I just said to him, what was this land called uh, during the time of Christ? And he almost spat it out, Israel. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually went silent after that. He never, never talked to me again. But I, I came to see that there's a whole propaganda uh, machine, if you like, for yeah. want of a better word, that is trying to uh, promote this uh, narrative to unsuspecting uh, tourists. And uh, yeah, but my own personal experience and, and being in the land for four and a half years and hearing many people's stories and visiting the Palestinian territories and Samaria, I came to understand that the, the truth uh, was far from what I had been told, number one, in my um, class and number two um, by, um, by the... By, um, these people that I was meeting in the land. And so in no disrespect to Laidler, I I learned a tremendous lot uh, of good knowledge from that Bible college. You know, we're talking about one class and we're talking about one teacher. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, Yeah. that did concern me. And I did write to the management there and and put it in black and white uh, why I thought that that this course was very unbiblical and... uh, also from a politi- plain political level, untrue. Yeah. Okay. Would you say that God honoured you pulling out of that Bible college tour? Yes, yeah, yeah, he did. So um, I believe he, uh, he really did, um, I really did discover a lot more uh, truth. I was yeah. able to uh, hear both sides of the story. I was able to spend that first time meeting and getting to know people. I actually even met the president of the Bible college that we were going to stay in and uh, began to understand how how it all worked. I read a book, David and Goliath, mm-hmm. by uh, Rabbi Shimons, who was a frontline reporter for 10 years. And that book really uh, also was very, very well documented. Yeah. And it gave me uh, a understanding of the way the media and the propaganda was working in the land. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you need that to to solidify what you personally believe, isn't it? You know, you go, okay, up until now, because I mean, I'm, I'm the same, up until now, yes, I know God's the God of Abraham, he chose the, the nation of Israel, yes, mm. you know, Jesus came through that, etc., etc. 
didn't factor so much on my Christianity until yeah. I delved deeper. Yeah. But sometimes getting the negative side coming in, yeah. it, it just it hunkers you down. Go, no, something's wrong there. I need to learn the truth yeah. that, that you wouldn't have done if you hadn't had that. Exactly, and I needed to learn it from a pure political standpoint and practical standpoint as well as a biblical standpoint. Actually, I do believe that one of the greatest fulfillments of prophecy uh, in modern history that really proves to us that the God of Israel, the God of the Bible is God, is that he did gather these people back from over a hundred nations and he planted them back on their land again against all odds. Yes. Yeah, and against massive nations that tried to wipe them out in the very beginning of their existence. Uh, Israel, like in the biblical wars, won wars that they should not have won and survived to tell the story. Yeah. And so it's such a great miracle. And don't mess with Israel. <laughs> and, don't, <coughs> and, and don't mess with the God of Israel because that's, that's the... You know, my mm. wife and I were just talking the other day um, about presidents of the United States. And obviously, mm. um, whatever you think about Trump, yeah. he was very, very pro-Israel. Yes. And if you actually look at it, you find... Most of the presidents, they may not be pro-Israel, mm. but they're certainly very, very um, weary about going against Israel. Yes, and I think there's a deep connection between Israel and the United States. And yeah. I think it's ingrained into the people, the, the idea that uh, we're called to bless and support Absolutely. Israel into their faith, you know. But there is a huge move across the globe to really... Uh, undermine Israel. Like, uh, you know, if you think of uh, the story of Ruth and Naomi, which which is one of the stories I love from mm-hmm. the Bible, if you look at it as a meta-narrative that, uh, that describes um, the, um, Naomi representing Israel, and then uh, both Ruth and Orpah representing the Gentiles, um, and at that point where uh, Naomi had lost her own faith. In fact, she wanted to be called Mara, which yeah. means bitterness, instead of uh, you know the pleasant one, Naomi. And uh, it was Ruth that clung to her because she clung to because she knew that Naomi's God was God, that Israel's was the God, one true God was yeah. the one true God, and it's an eternal covenant. We often hear this these words said. At marriage, this vow, you know, where you go, I'll go, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, where you die, there will I uh, die also, and there will I be buried. But it goes on to say, may God deal with me ever so severely, if even death should separate us. It goes beyond the grave, that we are connected to God's covenant with Israel, which is which is an eternal covenant. And Orpah, you know, when she was pushed, she turned her back on Israel. So Ruth means friend, and Orpah means the back of the neck. And I guess we have that choice. We come to those crossroads in our life too. And I came to that crossroad where I was challenged, and I uh, decided to cling to uh, Naomi, to the God of Israel, to her faith. To, the, to Israel's faith, to Israel's gods, and to Israel's eternal covenant. Right. Let, let's go from you and mum on the bus to Jerusalem yeah. to working with Jacob Domkani 
in uh, Oh, in okay, so Jacob. Jaffa. Yes, and Jacob, I had, come, I had met Jacob and spent a few days with him and Ifat as, as he was touring around New Zealand because I was just coming into that place of exploring Israel and wanting to know more about it. So yep. I joined them for maybe five or six days on, on their tour around the country. And Jacob and I uh, really connected as friends and, and he invited, and I told him that I was coming to Israel. And so he invited me to um, come to, to visit him in the land. And so um, when I went to Israel, you know, Oh, actually, this was my second trip to Israel. I yep. went again one year later. So I had really got to uh, love Israel and start supporting Israel and wanted to learn more about it. So in between my 2012 trip with my mother and the following year I went back for, for a couple of months, um, yeah, I met up with Jacob's ministry. And on the third year I went and... Uh, Stayed with his ministry. So you went three years in a row. Yeah, I went three. Uh, so I'm went, not talking to you anymore. <laughs> just, that's just, that's the just third not year fair. was when I really connected and stayed and got involved in the, yeah, yeah and got involved in uh, Trumpet of Salvation and helped on the team and yeah, got to know the lay of the land and became very familiar with the teachings of Jacob yeah. Dancani. Yeah. yeah. How was that as a as an eye opener for, coming from his very very uh, passionate yeah. stance is a very passionate viewpoint. Uh, yeah, that was uh, wonderful. I, I, I love Jacob's passion and uh, the incredible drive of his life. When he uh, re- really came to meet Jesus as his Messiah, he said, show me if you are the Messiah and I will be your slave for the rest of my life. And he really was a bond slave of yep. Jesus Christ. He lived and breathed getting the gospel to his people, the Jewish people. And he's, he's had such a huge impact on many believers in the land. Uh, through his book alone, he has had a huge uh, impact. Why me? And it very clearly shows how he grappled with the scriptures in the Old Testament uh, and really came to understand that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel, that that everything that was written in the Old Testament uh, points to Jesus. Jesus himself, he he himself said that when he said the the law and the uh, writings and the prophets. You you search the scriptures because you think you'll find the meaning of life in there and they all point to me. It's actually ironic when um, Mm. when I was talking to you on the phone the other day and... um, just organising this podcast, and I walk back inside, and there's my grandson sitting there. Yeah. And guess what book he's pulled out of the bookshelf? Why me? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> By Jacob Dumcani. That's interesting. Well, yeah. So, what did you do with the ministry? What was your What was Liz's role? Uh, yeah. Well, we we hosted people from. You know, Jacob really understood the role of the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy, and I think that was part of the secret of of the success of what he did. So he hosted uh, Gentiles from all over the world and he trained them on their approach to Jewish people and to share the gospel. And uh, very effective because right from the very beginning of Israel's story uh, in the Song of Moses, so right at Israel's conception as a nation, um, 
there's we have this song that they were to teach to all the generations. And in the middle of that song, it says, uh, God is speaking to Israel and he's saying, you made me jealous by what is not as not a God. You yeah. provoked me to anger by what is uh, not... Sorry, you made me angry by your idols and you provoked me yep. uh, to jealousy by by uh, these these false gods of yours. And so I'm going to make you jealous by what is not a people, by yeah. the, by the and nations. And it's right there, you know, starts off with the horse and rider thrown into the sea and goes right into that. God says it right. It's amazing yeah. when, you, when you look into that. Yeah. Um, you know, the kings of Israel. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, Israel turns around to Samuel and says, well, we want a king like all the other nations. Yeah. And Samuel says, well, if you get a king, he's going to do this, this, and this. Well, you didn't need Samuel to do that because Moses had said that hundreds of years beforehand, yeah. God had prophesied that this is what's going to happen yeah. to you. Yeah. It's, it's all in there. And when you see that, it, you go, yeah, Israel's oh, I never saw that before. It's written in that song, yeah. yeah. But Paul picks up on that theme, of course, in uh, Romans chapter... Uh, uh, it's either 19 11. or 11 yeah 11 yeah. The, yeah. those important three chapters <laughs> those important yeah. three chapters he talk, he picks up on that theme of um, you know uh, God using the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy and it comes through in some of the parables yeah. too so how did Jacob see that because because traditionally the the Christian church has not provoked the Jews to jealousy traditionally yeah and if you read books like and we'll find it in the bookshelf here somewhere like Israel betrayed yeah you find the exact opposite is is that that the church has pers- purposely pushed down and pushed aside Israel yeah so that the Jewish people want nothing to do with the God of the Christians so I'm wondering how where Jacob yeah dealt well, with that yeah there's a book and it's called Mike, Dr. Michael Brown, Our Hands Are Stained with yes, Blood. Yeah, another that's another one. A, a yeah, fascinating classic. book. And he's yeah. just uh, redone it to talk about the anti-Semitism that's rising up in this generation, which is... In the church. In the church. So yeah. this is uh, tragic. And ev- every uh, believer that understands their role to provoke the Jewish people to Israel, uh, to jealousy, jealousy, and to um, reach out to Israel should understand that. So I would say to read one of these books and become familiar with the history because that is a, that is a, something that we are going to have to overcome if we're, we're going to reach uh, Israel. So Jacob had what was called the three-legged approach. And uh, number one, encouragement. He would, he would say when you approach people, you know, you need to tell them that their, their God is God. That that uh, so reaffirm them. Reaffirm them as a people. Your God is is, is God. The God. Yes. Yeah, and to uh, also to tell them, I'm sorry, what was for what was done to your people in the name of of Christianity. Yeah. Because somehow, some way, in the Jewish mind, we are associated. We we may not have uh, done it ourselves or even supported what they did, but there is a huge association between the church Christianity. And even the cross and yeah. what was done to Israel. So, you know, that it's very disarming to actually really say, I'm sincerely sorry. And it becomes even more powerful if, say, a German person uh, would say that yeah. to a Jewish person. It really is. It, it, it sort of cuts away at the, that, that uh, blockage to, to hearing the gospel. And uh, thank you as well. Thank you. 
for everything that I love, everything that I value, everything that is dear to me came to me through your people. And, you know, for us, uh, you know, we might think of ourselves as whatever age we are, some people 20, some people 50, some people 80, you know, but a Jew is three and a half thousand years old, you know, because they carry with them their whole heritage, they carry with them the, the pain and the victories of of their past, and yeah. so we really need to learn We don't to understand that so much, do we? But no. Yeah, and I think for, for us, because, uh, um, and if I can say this, without getting into trouble, as mm. white New Zealanders, we don't have a, a cultural history yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, I remember meeting a guy one time in Auckland, I went to a Derek Lind concert in Auckland, and uh, this guy Phil was out the back. He had yeah. one leg. He was we he appeared to be homeless, and, and I'm pretty sure he spent his pension money buying seedlings to replant what the city council had pulled out of the planter boxes. Yeah, uh, and he was English. And I said, I said, when did you come to New Zealand? He says, oh, he says, I was just a little kid. We had to come here when my father lost the family pub. Yeah, and I said, oh. How long had the pub been in the family? And he goes, 400 years. I'm going, my country's not only two, not even 200 years. You know, <laughs> yeah. Your family owned a pub. You go to Israel, yeah. you know, and you have, and, you, know, you have families that have been there, mm. but you've got a nation that's been there. You've got a people that have been there that were founded when Moses took them out of Egypt. Yeah. Three and a half thousand years ago. That's that's a lot more history than you and I can understand. Yeah. And have that... Um, Baggage isn't the right word, but it's that cultural shoulder pack, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. To carry with us. Yeah, the and the history. So that really does disarm them. Those three things: but, to yeah. encourage, to thank, and to say sorry. And uh, and it opens a way then to share about share from the Bible uh, often. You know. Yeah. And I've always felt that one of the most important uh, things is uh, building a relationship, an an ongoing relationship with people. And, you know, I have beautiful Jewish, Israeli, and even Arab friends from the land. And, uh, yeah, relationship is is another key, I believe, you know, that we're not just connecting with people on the street and never... Seeing them again, and that's why hosting, you know, in New Zealand, we have so, so many opportunities to, like when the... Uh, when the border's open again. Yeah, yeah. when the border's open again. <laughs> yes. uh, I did that for one year in, in New Zealand. I hosted Israeli travellers through HIT, and um, yep. I had I met so many, so many young people uh, and uh, got to... You know, when people are eating in your home with you and sleeping in your beds and you, you get an opportunity to build a, an intimate relationship with them, a strong mm. friendship and, and uh, yeah, you get to share the, the gospel, you get to plant those incredible seeds. And I never underestimate planting seeds. You know, the word of God is an eternal seed yeah. and planted in the heart, God can water that at any time. And uh, that seed can begin to flourish. And I've seen that many times worked out where people have uh, heard the faith years earlier, even in their childhood. And then later in life, God has poured water on those seeds and they've sprung to life. And that that is going to happen in Israel, you know, because there's promises relating to Israel that that all Israel will be saved, but how can they believe in the one they have not heard about? Yeah. And that is right in the middle of those three very important scriptures in Romans chapter 10 
how can they believe unless someone brings that message to them. So that is so important that uh, we, as the body of Messiah, play that role like mm. uh, Ruth played and be a friend to Israel. But more than that, to actually speak the incredible gospel message that God, that no one, neither Jew nor Gentile, will ever be saved unless they hear and respond to the yeah. gospel. So God's given us that incredible privilege, but it's also an awesome responsibility to bring that gospel uh, to everyone. And it says in Romans chapter 1, to the Jew first. Yeah. So... It's interesting when you talk about hosting because, uh, mm. I mean, Sharon and I have hosted as well. I don't know if we can in our current house. It's a bit small. Mm. Um, although we do have the caravan, so they can stay on the caravan. Yeah. Um, but Know My Faith pretty much grew out of this whole hosting thing because wow. one of the, you know, you, I mean, you'll know, one of the first questions that uh, Israeli Jewish travelers ask us is, why are you doing this? Exactly. And what we've found in amongst the, the hundreds of hosts around New Zealand is so many of them aren't able to answer that question. Yeah. You know, oh, we love Israel. Oh, okay. Why? Yeah. Um, not quite sure. Well, you know, I do believe, you know, like I said to you, the gospel is the one seed that grows the fruit of eternal life in someone's heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul warned about preaching either a false gospel or not a gospel, a message that is not a gospel at all. He gave such a, a harsh warning in the scriptures about that. Uh, don't distort, still distort the seed and don't water it down. And uh, we have this responsibility to bring the gospel. But what the the enemy, our enemy wants to do, he's, he does want to distort the seed and he does want to water it down and he does want us to preach a message that is hardly recognisable to the gospel, you know. But we need to equip the body with the knowledge of how to approach people and how to bring the gospel. And that's why Jacob was so simple in his approach but so effective yeah. and I think that that applies to uh, what's happening out there on on uh, in our own country today we need to know how to what this gospel message is I actually did a little bit of an experiment I uh, I went and approached several people and I said I gave them this big clue I said everyone comes into the kingdom exactly the same way by hearing and responding to the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ could you share to, with me your understanding of the gospel? Of what the gospel is. And, so uh, obviously you're saying this to Christians, <laughs> not to non-Christians. Always to Christians, yep. pastors, children, different people. Yep. And, you know, uh, at that stage, no one that I asked at that time, including a couple of staff members on churches, was able to give an effective uh, message and i'm not putting the blame on them i'm saying as oh, it's a historical blame yeah it's historical we, okay. we we haven't been taught what the gospel is we're taught mm. this that and the other thing yeah yeah there's yeah. been so much added to the gospel and so much taken away from it i i compare it like one at one point i learned that you know 80 i think it was 85 percent of the world's food resources the seeds were interfered with so that you couldn't uh, plant them and grow a crop. You would have to go to the sellers, to the experts, buy yep. some seeds, 
plant them and you couldn't harvest seeds from that crop, you had to go the following year and, and buy seeds. some yep. more seeds. And yep. this, is, this is not how God set it up in Genesis chapter 1. And I remember once the Lord saying to me, as in the natural, so, so in, in the, the spiritual. spiritual. Yep. And uh, I, uh, one of the things that I'm very committed to is equipping uh, the body with an understanding of the gospel and how how we can uh, effectively share that. Because it says in the scripture, the gospel is bearing fruit in all the world. Yes. It's such a potent and powerful and eternal seed that if we could get the seed right, it's only uh, naturally going to bear fruit. So It's so hard. Sometimes. I mean, I'm in a discussion online at the moment with somebody with this, particularly in, in I know I have this thing about the, the grace and the hyper-grace movement, but... Mm. There's, there's all this thing all about God's grace and it's been given to me, and it's it's all true. Yeah. But the fact that I actually have a responsibility to pass that on, yeah. that there is something called a great commission, yeah. go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey my commandments, and that's, that's a responsibility of mine. But the arguments coming from the other side within the church mm. that it's it, it's all about you know it's it's all about me and i've got to make sure that i'm right and this that and the other thing that mm. the whole people haven't been taught mm. that we are supposed to go and tell others yeah that we've been taught to make make sure yeah make sure i'm safe first or make sure i'm safe and make sure i get to heaven yeah and that that is the this is the same thing with the seeds you know you can produce one crop but it can't reproduce. And multiplication was God's concept. Mm. And uh, the very, very first words that he ever spoke to humanity were to be fruitful and multiply. And uh, Jesus said the same thing. He said, I have chosen you and I've ordained that you should bear much fruit. Yeah. You know, And he was talking about the crop bearing fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, that there was to be a multiplication in our lives. And that can only happen when uh, we stop having the experts or the leaders yeah. that, that we have to bring people to, to, get to for them to be saved, that every believer is equipped, equipped, that word... Uh, the first the first time you come across that word equipped, that Greek word for equipped in the New Testament of the Bible, and it's mentioned nine times in the New Testament, is when it says that uh, the disciples, Jesus came past the disciples and they were mending their nets. And so in a sense, the nets need to be mended. The first time Jesus uh, sent them out to gather some... Um, some fish, you know, and he said, you know, drop the the yeah, uh, drop the net on the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it says that that they got a great catch, but the boat began to sink and the nets began to break, and so of yep. course the uh, harvest was escaping. But you know, years later, <coughs> after Jesus had spent three years with equipping them, uh, he sends them out again to catch a great uh, lot of fish and. Uh, one thing it does say, I think it was about 163, an exact number of huge fish. So they weren't little fish. And it, say, it specifically says in that verse, and the nets did not 
break. And they didn't break because the nets had been woven together, they had been equipped. And I believe that there is a huge part of the responsibility of leadership, not to be the specialists or experts, but to equip everyone to be priests, to be ministers, to be the experts that know well, how to share the gospel. That's the fivefold and ministry. To, and I've got to apologise because the putting the net on the other side, that was the second time. Yeah, I just I realised yeah, that too yeah, as yeah. I was saying. Um, yeah. The first time was just put your nets out during Go the daytime. Go out again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, I mean, Lou Meyer, from, who we spoke to mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. he, he says, you know, the fivefold ministry, it's there to equip the saints exactly. for the work of the ministry. The prophets, the apostles, the evangelists, the teachers, the pastors, to equip the rest of this to do the work of the ministry. You don't say, oh, okay, well, you're the evangelist, you do, you go tell people about Jesus. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's to, to equip us, and that doesn't happen. No, and I think it's one of the very key scriptures. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is a very key chapter in the Bible because it talks about a church that is mature and that is fulfilling its purpose, and that's what we need to get to. I would reverse that. Mm. I would reverse that. I mm. would say that they are fulfilling their purpose. That's why they're mature. Yeah. You know, I said to my wife the other day, Sharon's, Sharon's doing a lot of physical work. Most of my work is not physical. Yeah. And I said, I need to do some physical work. Mm. I'm feeling, you know, she's feeling worn out. Yeah. I'm feeling worn down because I'm not actually doing anything physical mm. and I need to get out there and do something. And as Christians, we go, uh, and, and you hear us all the time, I don't feel fulfilled in my faith. And go, oh, no, because all you're doing is you're sitting there on Sunday morning listening to sermons and singing hymns. You're not mm-hmm. doing what you're created to do as a Christian, yeah. which is to go and make disciples. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. You will feel awkward when you start doing that because you haven't done it before, Yeah. but you keep doing it, you will start to feel fulfilled because that's what you're called to do exactly and that's where we need people to come alongside and really equip and really get help people to do that we go out on the um we've been going out on the streets for over a year now maybe about a year and a half since i came back to israel we spent a season praying and then uh, we we launched ministry again by um just simply going into garden place we're sitting in garden place here yeah. now and uh bringing uh food for the homeless and uh building relationships with people in the community and we've since opened a, a cafe where we also provide food yeah. and uh relationship and you know uh equipping the next stages, uh, we've got some good evangelists on our team to equip everyone so that they uh, are able to get alongside people and bring this amazing gospel message. But bring it in love and bring it with, you know, Jesus. Paul Paul said, such was our love for you that we didn't just bring you the gospel but our own lives yeah. as well yeah. and that's the cost it is jesus said if anyone would come after me there's a huge cost to pay your life yes. and so we bring our life with the message yeah the, the 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 whole i don't know the whole freedom you know the gospel is free doesn't cost you anything is yeah well yes and no it, it costs me everything and again is it james or peter that says it you know if you say you know you, know, be, you find your brother who's destitute and hungry and got no clothes, and you James. go, oh, do you? Yeah. Have, a, have a great day. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. you know, where's the love of God in that? Um, uh, interesting. How did the because you, so you're working with with the homeless, the street people, yeah, um, the druggies, and and, yeah. and and those. How did they react when you began this? 
Uh, well, uh, I think a little bit standoffish at the beginning, but, you know, after about a year, they really know that we're there for the long haul and that uh, they're very respectful. Yeah. yeah and we did it as a church in Auckland, and the first question we did up on K Road, mm. um, and the first question was, I think it actually came from one of the prostitutes, it was like, oh, yeah. How long are you going to be here for? Exactly. Because so many churches have done this, stopped, done it, stopped. Yeah. And they have a lot of reasons why not to do it. Yeah. Uh, but we have one good reason why we should be doing it, because the, our Lord commands us to. He loves the broken. Yes, um, you know, people might, I mean, a druggie's going to try and get money and to spend on drugs, but that doesn't mean we're not called to love them and bring a message that can transform their lives. Yeah. And uh, that's a long-term journey to walk with people. It's and getting to know the people. It's, it, we sometimes want that little notch, that little head count. You know, hey, we went out and we did street ministry and we've been working with the homeless and the druggies and uh, we've got 15 people saved. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you just notch off 15. It's it's not about that at all, is it? No, it's about it's about each person and and their life and their needs, and introducing them to Jesus. You know, uh, this is something that I did for many years in Hamilton before I went to Israel and before my husband uh, was killed in an accident. And I had to um, Israel was also a time of recovery for mm-hmm. for me, and uh, prepared me to go back out onto the streets again. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very interesting because a lot of seeds that we planted in young people so many years ago are now bearing fruit now. And uh, we're seeing a lot of people coming back and connecting again with what God is doing and with their faith. And it's just a beautiful thing to behold. So, mm. Yeah, excellent. Mm. And this is working, this is your own ministry or you're working out of a church? Uh yeah, I, this is a, a ministry of Graceway Church in uh, Hamilton East, yep. 69 Gray Street. I'm pastoring at that church, and my main focus is the community yeah, yeah. Which it <laughs> and the be. gospel. It should be. Yeah. It, it's, it's so, uh, and again, with, with this doing thing, we, mm. we know deep inside that we're supposed to get outside the four walls. Yeah. But it's so hard to get. Sometimes I think the best thing you can do is get a sledgehammer and knock those walls of the church down. Yeah. To get out because we 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 feel safe there. We feel secure. This you know Sunday morning it's great. We sing five songs, do this, have a prayer, whatever. It, it feels comfortable. I know I'm supposed to get out and do this thing. I think it does personally. I think that God wants to uh, transform the very uh, understanding of what church is. You know, we the church is not an event, it's not a building, it's not an organisation. You know, it's a family. It's a family on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> it's family business. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so God wanted a family, and, uh, and that family is to open up to the whole world, you know. Uh, the father said, uh, ask, he said to his son, ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Jesus had a very big vision Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, and um, yeah. So I, I agree with you. I, I don't believe there should be a roof or walls uh, around the church. You know, we need to have a church without walls, a church that is uh, open and inviting, a church that is made up of the body. Yeah. That we are the net. That we are the house. That we are 
the boat, that we are the body um, and that people come and be part of and are built and knitted into that uh, to that grand design. I've, um, I've been thinking about God recently as the grand weaver. The grand and, weaver. And yep. he's weaving us together, yeah, and uh, to make a, a beautiful uh, temple that glorifies him in a... And a net that that catches this huge harvest of the days that we live in. I had a dream, or a, I think it was a dream, not a vision, years ago. When mm-hmm. you talk about God as a weaver, and um, and Jesus was had this tapestry, yeah, and he had these multicolored threads. Wow! And so I was coming up to him from behind, yeah, right, and I'm seeing, and he's got this thread, and he pushes it through and hooks it around, and he adjusts the thread so a particular color. Yeah. is at the front and as it happens in these dreams and visions mm. he happened to have, have the thread of my life wow. in his hand and so I, I said what's that and he, you know the different colours well this is you know black's the times when you're a bad boy Rob mm-hmm. and the white's the times when you're a good boy and I'm just about to put your thread on the tapestry wow. I said wow okay so I watched him do that and he, and he adjusted it so the black part was at the front yeah and I'm going no 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 you can't do that that's uh-huh. the yuck that's yeah. the yucky part so you've got to put the white part at the front Mm. And he said, "No, I need the black part at the front." Right. I said, "No, I can't let you do that. That's that. You know, that's the bad part of my life." And so he adjusted it so that the white part was at the front. Yeah. And then he said, "Do you want to see the tapestry?" Yeah. So I said, "Yes." So we walked around the front, and it was a picture of him on the cross. Wow. And in the middle of one of the palms was a little white dot. Wow. And it was just a message to me to remember that Jesus died. For my sins, not for my, you know, not for my, the good part about me, the bad part about me. <laughs> yeah. But he weaves the tapestry the yeah. way he wants it. Well, he does things the way he wants it. And Job says that, doesn't he? He's, yeah, Job. You know, shall, shall we receive good from the Lord and not evil and you know, not bad stuff as well? Blessed be the Lord. Amen. And Job also uses that particular word about God as a weaver. It's in the book of Job, and it's also in that beautiful Psalm 139. Where he's weaving us Woven together. Woven us together. Yeah. 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 Don't tell me God doesn't know about DNA <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. So j- just going back to to um, your time in Israel with, with Jacob. Yeah. How did you feel? At, so I, I think most of the people that he works with are Gentiles, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you feel as a, as a Gentile Christian working with this full-on very, very powerful Messianic Jewish believer. Wonderful, yeah. He's very Jacob. You know, he's got. He says, "I've got one foot in one uh, foot in the boot of Paul, and one in the boot of Peter." So he really relates well to um, Jews and Gentiles. Yeah. You know, as a as a believer. Did you feel any compulsion to go? Oh, I wish I was Jewish or more Jewish. No, no. I've I've never had that uh, compulsion. You know, God's made us uh, all unique and he's, a, he's placed us all in his body. I, I, from my Jewish friends and some of my best friends in the whole world uh, now are Jewish because I spent so much time living, you know, with people there. Yeah. Uh, never, never even make you to feel like that. You kind of partner as what becomes your first identity is there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither rich or poor, bond or slave, but in Christ 
we are all one. And I think that's a um, very important thing to know. It's a different role, but it's not a different value. Yeah. 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 And uh, we and I really do understand that about God. Yeah. Yeah, because we so often. Uh, what has happened in the past is that people have overbalanced, yes. with, or Gentiles have, I don't think any of the Jews have overbalanced, but mm-hmm. Gentiles have certainly overbalanced and go, oh, I need to be more Jewish. And God goes, no, but I made you Gentile. Yeah, or else they, they put, uh, they they worship, you know, they almost worship this Jew, yes. the Jews, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is, yeah. is not a healthy place to go. These people, are, many of them are lost and they need the gospel. They need us to love them, but not to... Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. I mean, I, I love delving into into the scriptures. I love discovering the Jewishness of our scriptures and oh. the Jewishness of our faith. But that doesn't make me want to become Jewish. Exactly, and that that means for me as a Gentile that uh, I don't have to uh, rearrange my life to to. This is uh, personally to me. I don't rearrange my life. I've never felt a compulsion to. To eat kosher or to uh, to get involved in uh, obeying all these uh, Jewish uh, laws, laws and, to, and regulations, to, and, yeah, people yeah. would turn up with uh, Gentiles would turn up with strings hanging off them, and you know, and uh, the Jews would say that that is kind of like a put off that a, a, a Gentile trying to be a Jew rather than accepting their own identity. Yeah. And uh, that's not the, <laughs> that's yeah. not the best way to... We kind of come across as a bit of a weird... Yeah, I mean, thing, yeah. we spoke to Yaakov Brown um, <laughs> a few weeks ago on exactly that thing. Is, is, is for him, that's natural because he's Jewish. Yeah, that's right. And he's discovering his Jewishness. Yeah. Through that, but again, you and I are not Jewish. Yeah. We we can we can look into it and go, oh, actually, that little tassel that's there, that's there to remind them this 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 and this, but it's not an injunction on us. Oh, that's right. To start doing that. And most of the um, Jewish people in Israel are very secular anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. so we would be doing more than they would be doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. With again, we go back to the hosting of the yeah. Israeli travelers. Yeah. Um. And, and a lot of problem that our hosts have had with that is you're not, you're not evangelizing an Orthodox Jew. Yeah. Right. You yeah. are, um, you are befriending and welcoming into your home a secular Jew. Yeah. Who, if it's a big if, if they believe in God. Yeah. It is the God of the Bible. Yeah. But the bigger chance is they're either agnostic or atheist yeah. and don't believe in God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So how do you how do you as a how do we as Gentile Christians share our Jesus mm. with this Jewish person who doesn't even believe in Yahweh? Yeah, that's and, right. And and again, that's where No My Faith came out of. Is is so many people they have no idea how to do that. No, that's right. But you know, there's a couple of things. Um, if you push it, if you talk to a Jew. Um, and uh, go deep enough, drop a bucket into the well of his heart, I Mm. guess, Uh, just about in every Jew you will pull out a hope of a Messiah. You know, it's something that's kind of ingrained into them. So there's a lot of uh, that side of it, the hope of a Messiah. And most Jews uh, have all the um, 
feasts and the traditions, you know, it's and and from those feasts and traditions which are biblical, uh, it is a great starting point. Yep. So there's a lot of common. It's not like you're dealing with a secular person here in uh, New Zealand who may have no common ground with the Bible. Yep. It's just so ingrained into their culture and their society that there you will always find a starting point from yeah, from yeah. yeah from the Bible. I remember saying to a Jew on the street in Israel, uh, what makes a Jewish person what makes you Jewish? Yeah. And he said, My mother was born Jewish <laughs> and I said, Well what made your mother Jewish? And he said, My grandmother and I could have gone on yeah, for hours yeah. like that, but I said to him, you know, because the truth is if you go back far enough, you can only land on Abraham and you can only land in the Bible. And so uh, Jew, the Jewish person, <laughs> their whole life and history goes back to the goes Bible. Goes back to the Bible. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's it's uh, wonderful. And, and you know, we have rules in our society don't talk about religion and politics, although a lot of people have broken that. <laughs> uh, in Israel, it's the opposite, you know. You do talk about it, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Oh, we found that so strange because Sharon <laughs> and I went there with our, our two youngest children mm. for uh, six and a half weeks, which yeah. is now four years ago. I want to go back, Lord. Um, and... Uh, to talk about the such personal stuff that yeah. in New Zealand we go, no, 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 don't go there, or the politics or whatever, that, that's just natural. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's it uncomfortable. Is. Yeah, they don't mind being uncomfortable. No. <laughs> We're the ones <laughs> they that They say mind. if you uh, put 10 Jews in a room, you, you will have 10 different opinions. Because or, or 11. Yeah, or 11. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's true, it's true. Yeah. And and the Arabs are like that. They, they don't mind engaging and loud you look at them and they look like they're going to kill each other yeah, and then yeah. they shake hands and walk and uh, see you next week you know the conversation gets louder <laughs> and louder and louder and they're all good buddies yeah. when you're talking about that did you have much to do with uh the arab believers when you were in israel uh i didn't have a whole lot to do with the arab believers but um uh i did uh i did have some uh, arab friends that were believers that i met lovely lovely uh people and I met some also Arabs that weren't yet believers. Uh, I, uh, we had a big conference in, on the Mount of Olives and uh, with Tom and Kate Hess, mm -hmm. and there were some Arab believers there. And my, my Israeli friends, uh, you know, uh, that were with me, they really ministered to them because there was a sense in that environment of feeling uh, second-rate, and these guys would never... Mm -hmm. Want them to feel like that, you know? That so cousins. The, the Arab Christians felt second rate, or the the what? Arab the Arab uh, Christians in this environment yeah. that was really honouring Jews, you know. Yeah. The truth is, uh, Jacob always called the he had lots of Arab friends, and he called them our cousins. Our cousins. Uh, yeah, and and we had a wonderful time. We went went to a big Arab church that was outreaching to the Arab people, and really connected with some lovely uh, Muslim. Uh, Arab people and yep. also the Christian Arabs, uh, whether they're born again Christians or just traditional Tradition, Christians, yep. very persecuted in their own land. You yes. know, they yep. are very persecuted by their own people, the Arabs. It was the interesting. Um, while we were there, I, I spent uh, a lot of time with uh, the church or the Kahila Haderek in Kamiel, which is we had a sister relationship with our church. Oh, yeah. Um, Sharon and the kids went to. Um, 
to uh, an Arab couple, Anissa and Nawal, yeah. who have a ministry amongst the, the similar to what you're doing in mm. Hamilton, you know, with the homeless, with the underprivileged, yeah. with uh, single mums. Uh, Anissa went, went into every prison in Israel, bringing the gospel to the Arab people. Mm. Um, and one of the discussions that I had with him was over the fact that he as and he can trace his family in Israel back a, a long, long time. Mm. His family's been there for a long time. And he said one of one of the one of the hard things, of course, is knowing that as and as an Arab Christian, mm. he worships the God of the Jews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a tension that we don't understand yeah. here. No, but it's, a, right. it's a tension that's very much so there between the Jewish believers and the Arab believers. Yeah, uh, in the land. Yeah, that's right. But I think true born again, spirit filled uh, lovers of God. Yep. There's that. Uh, there is. This uh, connection. The, the Anis, again, if we go to the church that we're with, Yossi mm. Ovadia, who is the yeah. pastor or the leader of the of the church, and Anis, very, very good friends. Yeah. So he's Jewish, Anis is, is Arab. Mm. And when the uh, Kahila uh, opened their new building, yeah. uh, the two of them planted an olive tree out the front. Oh, wonderful. You know, and that was just a symbol. And I know there is a, uh, in the Lavi forest, they come mm. together once a year. Yeah. The Arabs and the Christians, sorry, the, yeah. the Arab Christians and the Jewish Messianic believers come together for this combined worship service to say, we are one. Yeah, exactly. In, We're, in God. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So what's next for Liz? Continue working with the people in, in Garden Place, <coughs> pastoring the church? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think um, work while it is still day. Yeah, and uh, put our shoulders to the plough, not look back, bring the good news, bring the love of God, yeah, and bring the gospel. And I hope, uh, I hope that I'll be able to uh, just host some trips, maybe annually into the Holy Land. And uh, there's so there's such an enrichment that can come to our faith through visiting the Holy Land and, and bringing more dimensions to the Bible. So, yeah. yeah. So if somebody's watching this podcast, mm. what would and they're going, actually, Liz, I like what you're saying, and, mm. and, I, and I'd like to find out more about this, this Jewish side of it because I've only been Christian up till now. Yeah. What would you suggest they do? Uh, I would suggest that, uh, that they engage with um, Christian... Sorry... Messianic believers yep. engage with them. Yeah, I would say they read read some good books. Uh, Michael Brown on his uh, show, on his radio show, uh, once a week he does Thoroughly Jewish Thursday, and that's a great show to listen into and and build up a knowledge of God's heart for Israel. Yeah, you could find that as a podcast, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. podcast. There's some really good books about uh, around. Uh, Jacob Dam Carney's "Why Me" is a classic. You know, it's if you if you're interested in reaching out to the Jewish people, hosting Israelis. Yeah. I didn't have a big house, and sometimes I had five five people in uh, yeah. on mattresses and sofas and beds. So <laughs> push the two armchairs together for the yeah. shorter ones. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. right. How is Jacob at the moment? Because he, he's been very unwell, hasn't he? Yeah, Jacob is very, very unwell. And I think there's uh, a big transition hap- happening in the ministry. Uh, but Ali Sheva still has a um, newsletter going out, and you can yep. still contact uh, Trumpet of Salvation and see the work that they're doing in the land. You know, uh, Chosen People Ministries with, um, 
we'll celebrate Messiah here in New Zealand is a great connection yep. as well. And Scott Scott Brown in the South Island. There's many, many ways to connect with Jewish ministry and Jewish people. But I believe that every single one of us uh, should have an understanding and a arm that reaches out not only to the Jewish people, the poor people, <laughs> the lost people, you know, got there are some priorities yeah. that we all need to take heed to. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Jesus said, I came to seek and the, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. That's Gentile, Jewish, Arab. Yeah. Whoever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to, uh, if you do want to get involved and you're wondering, you know, what can I do? What information can I find? Just just let us know in the comments and uh, we'll get a hold of you. Liz, thank you so much for coming in. It's been great. My pleasure. And the Lord bless you in your ministry. Thank you. God bless you.